Welcome to the Unrecruited Podcast. This is Chris Pettit with Jason Brown and Van Flinch. On our first episode, we're going to be discussing the coronavirus and how it's affected all of our lives. We're all in slightly different locations on the West Coast, so we should have some different opinions on what's going on. For those of you listening at any point in time, this episode was recorded on June 27th, 2020, and should provide some good perspectives on that point in time, along with a couple predictions at the end. Enjoy. So, with everything going on with the virus, and I don't think you're allowed to really say that name, so the... Uh, you can the, say virus. The virus, I can say the virus. Since everybody's in a, a little bit different location, you know, I guess we could tell them where we're at in Orange County, and then, you know, what did you guys see initially? What were your initial thoughts? When did you think it was serious or not think it was serious? Well, I think for me... Uh, I'm in LA County, just north of it. And uh, it's one of those things where for my job, we deal with a lot of entertainers. And so I think we were on the forefront of understanding the ramifications to what it would do to the, uh, just the world and, and, you know, production shut down, touring artists couldn't tour anymore. Uh, and it happened literally in the span of probably like 48 hours. I feel like everybody was ready to go. And then midweek, it was like slam the brakes, can't go anywhere. And at that point, uh, we realized that uh, it, it's something more serious than what was initially led on. I mean, the three of us were in, in, in Scottsdale for the waste management, and it was still available. But, you know, it was out there, but it wasn't like it, it impacted us, and we weren't cautious about anything. But little did we know, you know, a month later, it was going to be that way. Yeah, what day was the open that we were there? I forget. The Super Bowl, so it was like late June, early February. Yeah, beginning of February. And we, I mean, it was out there too. We just didn't, I mean, we didn't even really talk about it too. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't remember talking about it. Um, but yeah, so me, um, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. That's why you guys are out here for that, for the waste management. But, uh, and we're in the food service industry. So kind of not necessarily front first line or frontline responders, but like we, we, you know, we were, essential or deemed essential from the beginning. So I knew that, you know, we were going to have to be at work and go to work and, you know, nothing really changed in my, in my day to day. So it was just, it was different. Um, I mean, it was obviously, it was obviously serious from the beginning. We did everything we could to protect our, our employees and, you know, we took it very seriously, but it didn't, you know, feel like I probably didn't feel the same way that you guys did about it being, you know, being sent home from work. I mean, every, every day still felt, you know, every day still felt the same for me. Um, it didn't really become, I feel like it really started to become real when people within our organization started, you started to hear about, you know, cases uh, throughout, especially on the East Coast for us. Um, that's when it became more of like a, you know, a real thing to to us and, and how we and how we were going to handle it. Like, or for me, in my opinion, uh, to kind of personalize it like that. But, you know, other than that, like that's that's about when I I started to take it more seriously. At the beginning, you know, like you said, we were out here. It was going kind of going on waste management. We were kind of doing our thing, and then you know, all of a sudden, it it got real serious, and it kind of changed. So, how far your supply chain? How far does your supply chain go that you guys are involved with East Coast? Does it go out of the country or no? So, uh, so yeah, we we actually. It, I mean, I don't know how much I should say. Uh, we we actually discussed this topic um, in great length because we actually do have manufacturing in China. 
So this hit us really early on. Uh, we had learnings from that. We shut down. Um, we shut down our uh, facility. It, it was just outside of Wuhan. So it was right in the, we were, we were kind of right in the thick of it. Granted, we only have about 20 employees in that, in that area and nobody, no one in that facility became sick. Still no one in that facility um, became sick. And they, so even at our, at our um, most recent, uh, I guess our like shareholder meeting or whatever that we had at the end of the year. um, And again, we're a private company, so it's like internal shareholders, but we were, we were all there. And uh, that's one of the biggest topics we were, we were talking about that, but it wasn't, it was more like, Hey, what we were trying to figure out how we were going to handle it overseas, not how we were going to handle it in that it's coming, that it's inevitably coming to the U S. I think that was kind of the, that was, we, we were separating ourselves from it. And then, uh, and that was still in, God, that was at the end of February, beginning of March. Um, so we were still in this like phase of, Hey, denial, like kind of denial that, Hey, this isn't going to, this isn't going to impact us. It's not going to hit us. It's not going to be. And then that all, you know, that all changed real quick. Yeah. I, it's almost for me, it's one of those things where, and I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but it's, I know it's not necessarily a single event, but I kind of remember like, hey, where I was when really when it hit the fan, yeah. um, you know, like 9-11, like that type of thing, which is kind of weird to say, you know, uh, but I was sitting there. I had listened to a few different podcasts, different opinions, talked to a few people. One of my coworkers with some connections to China said, you know, hey, I'm talking to my friends in China and the numbers that they're telling me are a lot different than the numbers that we're getting the media is telling us in China, you know, they're saying like, a ton of deaths. They can't really talk about it on, on WeChat and all the, all the apps, you know, not really trying to be really discreet about it. But I mean, he was even saying 50,000 deaths really early on. And I kind of laughed at him a little bit, you know, that we took it, kept going. I'm like, well, you know, you might take it a little more seriously than, um, than I did before. But yeah. And then I, I realized, Hey, we need to kind of, stay home with my wife being pregnant and hey it's probably a good idea to kind of just stay out of the thick of things i didn't think it would go on this long but you know i remember it was the day before i don't know if it was march 11th or 12th somewhere around that timeline but the day before the nba just stopped short and shut everything down when it kind of was like out of nowhere and i talked to another coworker and i said hey this is gonna hit quick and and then it that was the next day I guess that's when it became real, the realist for me, um, because, you know, like you said, like we had a different experience. Like I had a different, different experience with the whole, um, the China side of it and our manufacturing uh, plant out there, just because they kind of down, like what the information we got from them definitely downplayed the severity of it, like internally as a, as a, as a company, the fact that, you know, we implemented things right away. We implemented the temperature checks. We implemented, um, just the, the questions that we asked our employees when they came, you know, when they came into work to make sure that we were protecting them. We implemented the face mask right away out there, but we saw no, we saw no positive cases out there. So from what, you know, that's in, that's a contrast from what, so early on, I might've been thinking like completely differently about this. Like it's oh, like you had kind of the same thing. Like it's just overblown. Like this is not, this isn't, this isn't a threat to us. And I don't think that became evident to me personally until, yeah, I guess that Friday or something, the NBA, NBA shut down Thursday or something, the NBA shut down with 
with yeah, that. that was what that was the same for me too. I was on the way to Staples Center. I was going to see a Kings game, and that's when the news broke that Rudy Gobert had tested positive for the Jazz, and it was like okay, and and, and then so, kiss the mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know that week came out and was doing all the the press conference stuff, but it was you know going to Staples Center was surreal. I remember I was going with my uncle, and my aunt was like, "Don't shake anyone's hands. Don't you know get close to anybody." And that was. Like we, we kind of laughed about it and we're like, okay, you know, the, the, the usher that sits by, that's by our seats, he always gives everybody a fist bump when you walk in a fist bump when you leave. And it's like, don't touch him. And it was like, okay, that's a little more serious. And so on that car ride to stable center, it was like news after news broke. And it was another player and this and this and then NBA canceled the season. And I'm like, that's probably the last hockey game I want to go to for quite some time too. So uh, it was a little bit of a reality check, but it was like, okay, that came quick. And, and it was like, like you said, Chris, like, almost the equivalent of, of a 9-11 like things shut down stopped and so it's like you know exactly what happened at that moment in time and then here we are pretty much three months later uh and so much has changed but you know everybody kind of sees it a little bit differently everybody's kind of acted a little bit differently depending on where you live what you know where you work all those different things and of course you're going to have conspiracy theories and everything you know beyond that but it's a fascinating topic to kind of go through yeah so who did you guys initially maybe and maybe it's changed listen to or take advice from or you know get your i guess get your information from in regards to the virus that's a tricky one i mean being in uh, Apple News. <laughs> there's, a, there's no wrong answer i just want to know who's, no. who you're getting your, your information from maybe there's yeah. a wrong answer though <laughs> i it was it was stay away from from the foxes and the, the, the come on Fox News, Jason, kind of uh, got you know CNN, and then you know in LA they started pretty much live streaming you know the mayor's press conference, the public health conference, the uh, the governor's conference, and so it was like by then you could get just direct information from those sources. When you're talking globally or at least nationally, you have to look to the CDC, whether it's right or wrong. But at least you know start there and, and kind of work. So you can around. listen to Gavin Newsom speak. You're okay with that. Not really, but it is what it is. <laughs> There's some facts in there. I don't. I don't care about the Hollywood and the guts and the glam of it. But you know, getting information is still helpful and useful. Early on, he was really pushing for his, uh, you know, getting his FaceTime in. So, so he, when he runs for president in four years, I think he's yeah. point that uh, he got beat thing. out by Cuomo. Though he couldn't compete. <laughs> the two like most, for- the two what? most eligible bachelors of the last three months. I don't know if they're both bachelors, but uh, you know they got the most Definitely FaceTime. Not. Definitely most FaceTime. Um, and in LA, LA County, it's the it's the lady. I think her name is Doctor Ferrer, but it's like the old lady with the gray curly hair. It's like every time you see a picture of her, whether it's on social media feed or a local news channel, it pops up, and it's like, okay, coronavirus statistics for today. And and it, it's crazy being in LA County now. We're in the midst of I don't know if it's a spike or if it's whatever it is you know we had six thousand confirmed cases on uh, yesterday which is it is high and we've been over two thousand i think three or four of the last seven days and and even in my you know small town i mean there's two hundred thousand people here but wait it's seven, because you guys are doing too much testing you need to slow yeah, down the testing well, what's funny is like my you know where i live there's 70 percent of our cases are from the jail and the jail like there was a story early on that all the inmates were trying to uh, infect each other and so they're yeah. purposely doing all this stuff and so that's where a majority of our cases are. So it's like, yeah, is that, and we have a nursing home. Those are the two things. So 
Are, are also, you heard here? about like Cook, like Cook County too, like 20% of cases tied back to the jail. Yeah. Um, no, no, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know anything like that. I mean, most of the, I mean, most of the news that I've, I mean, that I've seen has been, like I said, like Apple news, pop up, CNN, CDC. Um, but again, like, I, I just feel like it's, it's been politicized. So it becomes like real hard to get through it without, you know, seeing the political opinion of, you know, whatever side, whatever news media outlet you're looking at. Like you, I, I, I've become jaded. I feel like, I feel like I'm reading some type of, you know, propaganda or something like that. I just don't feel any, I, I feel like everybody has a way and I know, I don't know if we're going to, we're going to get to this, but I feel like, um, I guess we are, cause I'm going to say a it. spin. Um, be a spin, right? it, it, yeah. I mean, I just feel like there is, um, you know, there's data manipulation with the whole thing. So it's just difficult to know. It's unfair for us, you know, as a, as the, as society, like, you know, people control and in, information is power, you know, people above our head control that information and they disperse it to us as they see fit. So, uh, I mean, maybe this will be my, my theme of, of this podcast, but it's like, we, we don't have access to the same data, to the same information. It is not available to us. Like what you see on whatever John, John Hopkins website, it can't be, it's not the, the perfect, you know, picture of, of what's going on. And I don't think we'll ever know exactly, you know, how many cases there are, what the death rate actually is like all these things and, and whatever side you're on, I mean, you've got to, you've got to know that, you know, anybody in any place, I mean, even where, you know, where I work, like we have data issues, we have data, data integrity issues. Like you can manipulate it to tell whatever, whatever story you want, because the people watching the people listening don't have that same access to that information. So it's hard for me to believe, you know, a lot of the things that are being said or that are going on. I mean, that, that's, what's really impacted my thinking as this thing has gone on yeah and i do i did want to get into the data by the way i do think that johns hopkins website is probably the best website i've seen as far as just pure data it's probably true but i still think it is it's probably the best thing that we have and it's unfortunate because it's still well it's only you know, as good as your as the inputs right right is that, you, is that, that's the problem you're relying on i don't even know where it all comes from you're relying on individual hospitals, cities, counties, or, you know, states to report this data up to, you know, whatever, you know, however, however it comes down. And, you know, it seems like, you know, again, I'm speaking on things that I I don't know. This is my opinion. It seems like there are um, incentives for being on certain sides of, you know, the data for reporting a, a, like a COVID death versus a non-COVID death or whatever the case may be. And I think it ends up at the end of the day, like whatever, however you're politicizing this, it can, it can skew. And, and like I said, it should, this things like this should not, it shouldn't even be a thought in anyone's mind to try to, you know, to, to politicize something like, you know, something like a world, a pandemic that is impacting, you know, the world. But I, I feel like it's being done um, and, and things are being manipulated, but you know, I guess. Yeah. So in regards to the data, you're right, you're right on, you know, there's different ways to manipulate it, right? But the data, like, early on, my my opinion was that, hey, we're getting the data, there's all these cases, but obviously testing was lacking. So 
you know, the, the R not rate was super high, but really it wasn't that high because you probably have more cases. And now, now we're at the opposite of the spectrum, right? Now we have a ton more, uh, you know, Orange County did spike the last three days too, like 4,000 cases a piece last three, four days, which is double, you know, we're up around 2,000. But is that the testing? Is that because, you know, like Jason said, is that more testing or what, what is that? Like, I don't know what that's in relation to what's the denominator. So yeah, I've had a hard time keeping up and I, I think I've kind of been, I guess going back to taking our information, like I've been trying to take information, not necessarily from like just data from third parties, like Johns Hopkins, which even if the inputs are off, like their data is still pretty good. And then compiling it with more real, you know, real world experiences, like who, who do you know that's around in different areas of the country, talking to friends that I, I know that live in other areas, like what's going on out there? Do you, do you know anybody? You know, yeah. and I think that that was all pretty light and still almost remains pretty light. I mean, my biggest thing is uh, obviously it's pretty um, contagious and then deadly, obviously, to certain people. But, you know, who do you know that is, has been, you know, affected and, and how does that look? I, I think from a, well, just from our organization, I think the last reported, I think we have 4,000 employees in the U.S. and we have 19 confirmed positive cases. So, I mean, that's, that's our, you know, that's our organization. We're pretty, you know, we work in tight quarters. Our drivers go out as a lar large amount of time. They go out as a team. So they're in a tractor with another, you know, with another person, they're wearing a mask, they're getting temperature checks and things like that. But I mean, that's a, definitely a lower percentage than, well, I actually don't know. Cause I mean, what is, what's the confirmed cases right now in the, in the U S of the total population? Um, percentage what is it like three million of 300 million or something or am i way off on no you're less than that i think it's two and change of 350 million yeah, 30, or whatever yeah, so yeah it's not that much but like even for me like i have a lot of work contacts in new york and so at the beginning there were conference calls and whatnot and it was just somber talking to those people it was like a, a big reality check a gut check saying these guys don't even want to take their dogs outside to go on a walk. That's how mm -hmm. like crazy it is in the, in the streets and they're, you know, terrified. And so, uh, and that was, you know, during the epicenter of, of, of the peak there. And, and now it's a lot better, but you know, I remember being on a call and I'm sitting in my backyard talking and, and the girl I was speaking to was like, I wish I was, uh, you know, where you are. I hear birds chirping and all that stuff. I can't even like, I don't even want to open my windows. And it's like, that's crazy. And, and, and to think of people in New York, especially in, in Manhattan, you know, their, their apartments are tiny. They're there really to sleep. You know, their, their life is outside. It's, it's going to work. It's restaurants. It's, it's, you know, being around people and to, to be able to just stop that and all of a sudden show up and hang out in your 400 square foot studio apartment. I don't know what I do. I go batshit crazy. Like that's one of those things where I, I don't know how you spend months doing that. Well, and with maybe a thousand people that live in the same complex, like, right. I mean, that's the, you know, that's the other thing. And that's obvious why certain communities definitely got hit, got hit harder than, than others and, and made us maybe think that it could be more contagious than it actually is. I mean, from, from that standpoint, because, you know, in, in especially in houses where, you know, multi-generational families, you got 10, 20, 15 people, you know, living in the same, in the same space, 
because um, it seems like that you know you need to spend a decent amount of time with individuals in order to get the full brunt of the um, I guess the virus passed on um, from the you know the more time you spend the more contagious the more likely you are to to get it from somebody else um, I don't I mean obviously they haven't laid out what that specific like what that specific time is I you know I've heard different things um, but you know from that from that standpoint with the uh, even well, it seems like the funny thing is too about my organization, like 19 cases, 4,000 employees, right? So, so people are doing something to, and then you look at, you know, people are doing something to avoid the risk or mit- at least mitigate the risk within our organization. Because then you look at like, I mean, shoot, Clemson tries to report back for, you know, they got 19 positive cases. Granted, they probably tested, you know, and that's the other weird thing. They they probably tested everybody, right? So, I of the 4,000 people at of our 4,000 employees, I think maybe 150 have been tested and 19 were positive. Um, whereas Clemson, what they had their, you know, football team coming back and how many, how many came back positive? They tested everyone. So what is that? hundred people, 80 people. Well, you couldn't even get a test and, at the beginning. Well, no, I know. I, I, I agree with that. You had to, you had to have symptoms. You had to have like all the, you had to check all you, the you boxes have, before you could get you a test. You had to basically be in whereas the now anybody can get it. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, you know, it's different circumstances. So of course numbers are going to be higher. There's more tests available, but it's that percentage. And it's also right. The, the R not that Chris was talking about. Is it one? Is it less than one? Is it more than one? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, when I think when we started, we were closer to three and now it's down to like one, one, two, something like that. So it's a better number. It's still not perfect, but it's, you know, making improvements, but how do you, how do you keep it low? And how, I mean, of those 19 guys at Clemson, right? How many were really sick or how many were asymptomatic? Probably right. most of them, right? I mean, most which, of them were asymptomatic. Yeah. Which is why the testing is good in my opinion, because the more people you can test now, those people can just stay away and try not to spread, right? To the people who are really yeah. going to get hurt hurt by it which is probably parents and grandparents and you know coaches and in, in, in that respect and i still but, think we're living in a, i still think we're living in a world where deaths are probably spot on reported or over reported and for as that with coronavirus being the cause and you still and obviously you know positive cases are under reported just because it's impossible to know i mean there's just no way um, you're no, but I guess the same thing goes for if you want to report on the numbers on flu. I mean, a lot of that stuff has got to be like, uh, if they were to get an accurate number, it'd have to be like a forecast or like a, it's all not perfect. Like, yeah, well, I didn't even like know until this year that you could get a flu test. I, you know, my daughter got pretty sick. This is probably, this is in January, I believe, January or February. And I'm glad, and she did test positive for the flu, but it was before the, this virus here. So if I didn't know that she had had the flu, I would have been pretty concerned that she would have had the virus before, but you know, they went in and did a test, but I I mean, I don't, I'm, I've had the flu before. I've never gotten a flu test. Yeah. So how did those Uh, numbers get reported? uh, Yeah. Well, I think they (laughs) just say, Hey, you probably have the flu. You probably have the flu. Mm -hmm. So, and it's probably different. They t- the reason they tested her was because we went in like three, four times in the span of three, four days because she kept popping a fever and it wasn't, you know, wasn't strep and it wasn't another thing. So it, it said, they even said they're like, the test really doesn't matter. All it tells you is, you know, she has the flu and then you can decide if you want to take anything like a Tamiflu or anything. I guess for an adult, you would just take the medication that assuming you have the flu, which probably makes you better on a number of items that you might have. 
Yeah. But once again, it's still a virus and virus just has to work its way through your body. So you can take uh-huh. whatever the hell you want. You know, Tamiflu, I think is only good for a certain amount of time. And it's really to shorten the length of it. It doesn't cure it. It doesn't stop it instantly. It's like it, it shortens it to the span of five days or something like that. So, and it's, that's if you catch it on time, if you catch it after the fact, it doesn't really matter. Like I had a similar situation to you, Chris, my daughter was in, had the flu earlier this year too. And it was one of those things where we were later in the process. And so by the time we got uh, to the hospital, got our, her all checked out, Tamiflu was kind of useless. They're like, yeah, you know, she's, She's on the, the recovery, but still, you, you know, you don't really know. Yeah, we didn't end up using it either. He said it was 50 50. He's like, you can if you want, but who knows? Yeah. I think so, at, the end of February, at the end of February, they diagnosed my daughter with the croup cough, <laughs> which we're questioning to this day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So was that a, like, was it a test? And then I even saw I could say, hey, well, it's fine. I know my daughter had the flu, but could you have both? I don't know. Can you have both? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's like the, the flu shot this year was heavily for flu, the uh, flu A and my daughter had flu B. Right. <laughs> and, and this is the first year that flu B has been prominent supposedly over flu A. Like, I don't know. It's all above my head, you know, but I think I've picked up my fair share of knowledge uh, being at the hospital these past couple of years. So it's like you get what information you got, but it still doesn't make sense. Well, we can do another uh, podcast on your opinion on the, if you get the flu shot or if you believe in the flu shot or not, because that's a really good, uh, that's a really Don't get me started. Point. No anti-vaccine, <laughs> no anti-vaxxer podcast. You're mad, are you mad if Jason's an anti-vaxxer? That's the question. Jason's not an anti-vaxxer, but. Uh... <laughs> well, I'm going to, we're going to bring an anti-vaxxer on the show and then we'll have a good conversation. <laughs> It'd be good. Um, It'd be a good time. I, I'll do my research. <laughs> be prepared. So let me get. Let me talk to Bill Gates. Let's get Bill Gates on. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going down about this whole thing, right? So, what do you think? Um, I mean, what do you think things are going to look like moving forward? What are you know? Do you guys have? Have you guys changed things that you're doing in you know in, in your life? I mean, working from home and that type of thing, and and where you where you see yourself and like every society, I guess, moving forward. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, I've been at home for three months now and, and uh, I've met with my partners at the office and, and we've tried to figure out what the best way to go about reopening our offices. We, you know, we had 30 some odd employees. We've had three people there since the beginning and, and that's kind of it. And it's really to open the mail, let somebody in, process accounts payable and, get packages out that's that's really the you know the the essential staff that we've had at the office but um you know we've talked about slowly introducing things and we said maybe starting you know after the fourth of july introduce a couple people a month until we can get our full staff back so uh, you know in a couple weeks we might have three more people introduce the office so that makes six right we still have to get up to 30 so you know we don't think that we'll be up and running you know, all in the office until end of the year, if not the beginning of next year. Um, and I think you see how my dog is just sitting there in the uh, <laughs> my dog <laughs> my dog any noise at all. <laughs> my dog wants in on the action, um, but also you know, like trying to figure out how to how to run your business in this time. And so, obviously, I, I think for us and in our company, people are more efficient in the office, not at home. And, and we found that out pretty quick, but we've had to make do with what we can because you can't just force people back into the office either. And so uh, I think as the entertainment world starts to open up, it'll open up more opportunities for us to kind of get back into the office and, and back into a more normal environment, whatever.
whatever that is, the new normal, right? Um, and, and you know, at, at the end of the day, it's making sure that everybody's healthy, safe, and following whatever guidelines we need to follow so that we could operate as a normal business. You know, if we have to get sneeze guards in the, in the cubicles, we'll get sneeze guards in the cubicles. You know, you got to put hand sanitizers all around the office. Great. Do you have to limit the number of people that are in the bathrooms? You know, there's all these different things. And, and uh, on top of masks, right? Masks are a whole separate topic. Do you wear them? Do you not wear them? Uh, if you're in your own office, do you have to wear one? Can you close your door and not wear one, right? There's all these things. And so uh, I think we have to make sure that everybody's comfortable. And so that's that's the hard thing is how do you how do you control an office environment with 30 people and make sure that everybody feels safe and, and welcome and warm coming into the office? And whether it's adding the temperature checks and all these other things, you know, take the measures that we need to. But it's still a bit of an unknown. And I think, you know, what, what we thought a month ago isn't necessarily what we think today. And I think a month from now, it's going to be completely different too. As more information gets released, more studies are done, whether it's the vaccine, the shot, whatever, you know, or second spikes or what are these other countries doing too, right? Korea just announced they've got their second spike. Uh, we've heard all along that China's numbers are not what they were. And, and so, you know, we just have to kind of play it by no. ear, but being, you got you got to roll with the punches and kind of somehow we've been flying up the charts and China's been <laughs> static in their same number of cases. And, for and you know, Russia's got no cases. You know. Right. I think we're at like a third of the world's cases right now. It's yeah. it's crazy. So all right, a couple. Um, well, do you, are you guys wearing masks everywhere? Or I mean, it's a to, it's a topic right well, now. And, so and, and is it, are you a mask wearer or or not? In California, it's required right now. Um, separate from that, you know, dealing with my own personal family, you know, my daughter has underlying health issues. And, and even when this first started, I'd come home from the office and I felt like I was like a, a, an ER doctor. I'd change my clothes, wash up, and then come down and, and say hi to her. I just didn't want to risk transmitting anything being in the outside world. And so now it's, you know, we haven't really taken her out in public, but, you know, when we've been out, it's wearing your mask, you know, washing if you go out and you're in contact with people like my daughter, my, my other daughter's going to dance class right now. So when she comes back from her dance classes, take off your dance clothes, go shower, come back down and then we can hang and talk out. So, so it's, you know, one of those things where uh, we've got to make sure that everybody's doing their part to make sure that we're all healthy because we can't risk her getting infected. Yeah, I definitely have the same, like when I come home because my daughter and even though they're not in the same situation as yours, Jason, but you know, you feel like you're the one that's been out in the world and you're bringing the, you know, you're bringing the sickness back to the, to the house, like all the time. But, you know, as it's kind of gone on, I think I've become, I guess, more numb to like, I've been less and less kind of worried about the, I mean, I guess the, the impact of it all but the to answer your question i mean phoenix you have to if you're you have to have a mask a mask on you and if you're within six feet if you ever are within six feet of another person you're supposed to have it and be able to put it on um so we have them in the office um not everybody wears them all the time um but if they are if they are going into a meeting where they're going to have to be in the same office as somebody else they'll put them on but we we avoid that as much as we possibly can too and you know we're in a 90,000 square foot building so people and there's only 40 of us there at the same time so we're pretty spread out uh, with with what we do 
Um, and we're also, you know, working in ambient conditions. So it could be, you know, 95 degrees, 90 degrees out on the warehouse floor. So people aren't, you know, wearing, you know, face coverings cause a little bit of a problem with that too. So from that standpoint, um, we're, you know, there's people that don't have them on, but again, we do everything we can to, to keep people from, from getting sick. We do limit, I mean, it's one person to the bath, like Jason made a point about bathrooms. It's like things you never would think about. Um, we, we, we've put into place, um, you know, and as, you know, I think if you ask me personally, like I'm not a, I guess I'm kind of like, I'm going to get it if I get it kind of, kind of deal. Like I'm kind of done, done with it all. But like, as a, you know, as a leader and, and, you know, as a father, like you feel that, you know, that obligation to, to take care of the, uh, the people in your family and the people that you work with. So it's like, it's kind of the conflicting, you know, the conflicting view of like, Hey, like it's not going to affect me, but you got to think of, you know, you got to think of everybody, you know, everybody else that, that you come in contact with and that you deal with. And I think that's, that's kind of the important, that's kind of the important part of it all. But, but I don't know. I feel like my opinion on this thing has gone like this the entire, mm-hmm. you know, it's been this like roller coaster ride of like, I'm just ready to get back out there and, and, and do what I need to do. The economy needs to open. We got to get back, you know, we got to get back going in the right direction. And, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in between like this herd, this idea of herd immunity and everybody needs to stay in their house all the time. And I think we're all kind of in that, like, what is, what is the right thing to do? What's the right thing, like, you know, to do for, you know, for the community, for, for everybody. Um, and it, it does have to be somewhere in between. Just no, I just don't feel like anybody, any, anybody has the answer. Um, we're not going to, we're not going to get to herd immunity. I just don't. I don't think it's contagious enough that we're going to get there, but it is something that no, nobody, none of, none of us have ever experienced before. None of us have had this before. So everybody is susceptible um, to getting it. Um, so it's not going to be like the common cold just flowing through and, and, you know, getting, getting random people sick. Like if you come in contact with this and you've never had it before, you have no antibodies, you have nothing, you're going to get it. Um, and you could easily pass it on to somebody that, you know, that, is in that protected or in a protected or in that vulnerable class to it. And that's, that's kind of the scary part of it all. You don't think we'd get to herd immunity if it was a kind of a free for all, like, Hey, everything's back to the old normal. Everybody's out shaking hands. You don't think we get to herd immunity pretty quickly. I think it's proven to not be contagious enough, but again, I don't know. I I don't know that for sure, but I don't, I I think you, I think a, a simple handshake is not, you know, that short, uh, I feel like as we go forward with this, it'll be that like that short lived like contact is not going to be um, how people are getting it. It's going to be like continuous exposure. Um, but I, but again, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's going to be a thing anymore. It's a moving target. Uh, like, like you said, it's a varying. Like you change your opinion based on the data you have at the I, time. I do think handshakes will be a thing again because I still have the urge to shake people's hand because that's what you know but I think I will know it. I think it won't. I think it's one of those things that's like so ingrained, like you just don't not do it. Right. I had a guy go to shake my hand the other day. We had that awkward, you know, interaction. Like I've had that so many times <laughs> and, it's like, and I'm almost to the point where I'm just going to shake their hand. Like I, you know, I'll just wash my hand after. Cause you, I, you know, I think touching your face, yeah, you know, people, people are going to be super more conscious. Like I think they're just going to be conscious about that stuff. Um, but I do think we're more educated. Yeah, I think we do get back to a point where we where we're shaking hands and, and, and things like that. I do think there's some 
you know, maybe 2021 brings some normalcy. I, you know, I don't know, but I do think, I don't think the handshake is going away. People, people feel like they get too much out of it. Like it's a All big right, deal so to a lot of people. So you threw out a date there. Last, uh, last, I guess, question would be, let's hear a prediction um, for when we have a vaccine and then maybe one other, one other, we're going to take, take bets on any outside parties here, but uh, one other prediction on when you think we get a vaccine, you could say never to. Um, and then also, I guess, what you think a prediction of, say, after that or, you know, down the road, anything that's like really different, like, like handshaking, right? Like if you said, Hey, I think we'll never shake hands again. That That's a good prediction. Yeah. It's uh, such a crapshoot on this one. I mean, if you, if you read about vaccines and stuff, they take years to create. And here we are, we're talking about trying to get a vaccine out in nine months or whatever it is. It's uh, like, uh, what is the if effectiveness of that? How efficient is it really going to be? And so I think a vaccine, you're probably looking at at least another year. So middle of, of 2021, um, I think normalcy, I, you know, I have no clue. I think probably at the beginning of 2021, people will start to ease up. I think, uh, it'll start to trend back to the, the new normal or what the old normal was. Um, but I think people will educate themselves and do things a little bit differently. So handshakes are a perfect example. Are, and the handshakes can become fist bumps or, you know, I, I don't know. Are people going to hug each other in public anymore? Is just public interaction going to change? How about sitting at sporting venues, concerts, movies, whatever? Like, are seats now going to get spread further apart? And then what is the financial impact of that? And, and less people doing these things. There's going to be a lot of things that I think – uh, we don't know the answers today and what the ramifications will be, but there'll be some changes. Uh, and, and, you know, I think for, for me, I have a little bit of information and in, in the touring world and, and understand arenas and venues and that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, there's talks of, of venues kind of switching how their seating arrangements are. And, and do you make it so that, you know, you're blocking off sections at a time. I don't know, whatever it's, you know, and, and we're about to see sports with no fans. Like, I don't think that's going to be the normal. I think that's going to change as soon as you know fans can go back to the stadiums and arenas. Uh, so yeah, it's a crapshoot. It's a guessing game. And your comedians going to do live shows again. Yeah. I mean, there's comedians out on the road right now. Um, they're, they're doing uh, comedy clubs pretty much throughout the, the Southwest and the South um, and they're doing half capacity and it, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it seems to be okay. I mean, D.L. Hughley the other day just passed out in Nashville. Right. And that was a whole thing in its own. And now the club has to take these extra precautions. So everybody's still not there and not fully understanding. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, I think these guys also need to make a living and also to the flip side of that, people need to get out of their house and laugh and enjoy being, you know, in the world and the outside world. And so, uh, I, you know, comedy is one of those things that's somewhat recession proof. I would say it used to be always recession proof, but this kind of proved to us that you can shut down a, a touring act as well when you never really thought of it. Um, so it's one of those things like, you know, I think over throughout the summer, it'll get better. I mean, people are talking about drive-in movie theater tours. Uh, I know Garth Brooks is just coming out with a, a movie theater video, a tour video that, you know, people are going to do. a car. It's it's crazy, but there's money to it, and you know, other I've seen comedians do Zoom shows. I've seen uh, recording artists do Zoom shows. It's it's one of those things like people are just trying to figure out how to make money right now, and and that's.
that's a whole different area. Um, but for those guys that, you know, we're still living kind of month to month out on the road, not making, you know, a ton of money, they need to get back out there. There's only so much that they can tap into. I don't want to get into SBA loans and all that stuff, the EIDL, because that's just a headache and a whole separate topic. But we don't have 10 hours. Yeah. I sat through a whole conference today and, and heard so much about the PPP loan. And it's like, uh, it's, it's changed so much. And I mean, here we are coming up on, on two months, uh, for some of these guys getting it. So. Yeah. I think it all disappears on November 3rd. Poof. Gone. Oh, <laughs> I have no idea there. I, I think that the current administration is trying to keep it as, as normal as they can leading up to that. Um, but yeah, I think there's, we've been given certain information, right? Same way with the numbers. We've been getting the information that they want to give us and that's it. There's, there's more to it. Uh, and it is what it is. We're, you know, we'll figure out the information. We figure out the information, but I think people need to figure out how to get back to normal, whatever that new normal is, get to it and, and, and enjoy it and, and try and make the most of it. Kid, you know, kids are on summer break right now and they can't even go out, right? Half the beaches are closed and doing this and that. So yeah, that's just because you're in LA County. Orange County is good to go, man. Orange County is <laughs> wide open. The, the orange curtain, <laughs> I, the orange curtain blocks the virus. Yeah. It's uh, just like the, the perfect, it has the, there's the perfect weather. There's the, you know, yeah, it's the, it's got the, the bubble. dome. We got the dome. The bubble. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're, but if you're out here, you know, I went to the beach the other day and, the guy in his jorts and his wife beater, he's not, uh, he's not more He's coming from LA County. I know that for sure. <laughs> Did he have um, a Raiders hat? Um, yeah, so, uh, but, uh, and advance to your point, I don't know how, uh, and this is, you know, too far off. So I don't really need an answer, but if you're, if you think things change on November 3rd, I don't know. I'm guessing that means you think that uh, the presidency will change, but aren't we kind of already going towards a UBI with this stuff anyway? And that would be really what, if we had a change in, in presidency, I think they would almost expand the UBI maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I, I can't dispute that. And I was kind of saying it more as a, you know, more as a joke. Changing I mean, the guard, I just, yeah. I just, you know, and I don't, you know, and I have no prediction on who's going to win, you know, who the, who's going to win this election between. I don't know if that was going to be your prediction, that, your off the wall prediction. I thought that might that, be your that, off the wall prediction. But I don't even care who wins. I don't think anymore uh, at this point. You got to care. Um, I do care, I guess. But uh, yeah. Um, We'll move on from that. All right. So back to this yeah, point. So if that's not your <laughs> prediction, then give me, yeah, give me your prediction. Uh, Astros well, will be back in 2021. The Astros will win the world series in 2021. Did the Astros um, know uh, that the virus was coming. They no, they didn't. They did not get that. The guy on second didn't see, you know, whatever. They didn't have the camera. They weren't banging the trash. The guy on second, you mean the guy in the dugout watching the, the camera banging the trash. Field, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the camera in center field was not on to record the signs, signs yeah. the, the signs of the virus coming. Um, so your first question, I think we've gotten you know kind of far away from this, but the my first question is your prediction the, on of so, a vaccine. So vaccine, I'd say no. No vaccine. Um, I think there's no vaccine. I think there's going to be a treatment. Ever? I don't think there'll ever be a vaccine. I think some, I think there'll be, well, 
let me put it this way. I don't think there'll be a vaccine. There, there will be a, there may be at some point a vaccine that is used to address, you know, the common cold, um, at some point that we can take. But I, you know, I, again, you're asking somebody that ain't, that is not a scientist, um, has not studied this at all. Um, but I just don't, I think if there was something that could handle or, or that, you know, smart people have worked on this before. I get we're in a different time, a different pandemic. There's, you know, it's a different level of focus on this issue. But I do think that, you know, there was already money here. There was already reason enough to try to um, cure something like this. And we've been unable to, you know, thus far. Um, I just don't understand like what is different, you know, what, what is different enough now to get, to get there. I do think that there is going to be a, uh, you know, I, I would put more money on a treatment being the thing that, that solves this, whether it's like a steroid or, you know, something else that just, you know, keeps people, keeps the symptoms down. So this can pass through your system and people will get better without needing to be like, vaccinated or to be um i guess immune to something like this i don't feel like it's like um polio or something like that that you know you will build you know a vaccine will create you know immunity and then you know i just don't i and i could be very wrong i mean we could watch this back and it's completely wrong but i wouldn't that would be my you know that would be my thing on this like i think we're we're leading towards a situation where it's going to be a um, that there's not going to be a cure, but there is going to be, you know, uh, there's going to be treatment that keep is able to keep people, you know, alive, similar to, you know, similar to, you know, pneumonia, flu, um, the common cold. Now, um, there's going to be things that you can take to help you, but not things that are going to completely prevent you from getting this. And I do think it's going to be something that, you know, might, you know, might come back, but, but who knows? I mean, if it's not, if it's not that contagious, if it's not as contagious as it's being made out to be, you know, you don't know how easy it's going to be, how easily it'll spread once X amount of people have, you know, um, antibodies or how, how that's going to work through through communities once, you know, the spread isn't as you know, rampant as it might be now how, or how susceptible everybody in the community is to it right now. Um, but again, I, you know, I'm not sure, you know, there are predictions like conspiracy theories, this just disappears. Um, it's very, very possible that, you know, any, anything can happen from here. Um, but who knows? November third disappears on November third. Okay. Um, it, to your point, though, and kind of tailoring off Jason's point, you know, I have I've been I've read up on it, and they, you know, SARS, I believe, was another type of another strain of a you know, similar virus, right? So they at the point where because viruses or because it takes so long to get to a vaccine once SARS like died down and really kind of went away, they just stopped researching yeah. for the vaccine. So all the funding, all the funding went away. I mean, I know that the guy who was, I'd have to look up his name and I should look it up, but the doctor who was doing that SARS vaccine, he didn't have any funding. So he had to stop on that vaccine. So he, I know he kicked it into gear again for this, even though it was different, but you know, I, I would expect that to be different moving forward because even if November 3rd or tomorrow, the, you know, the virus went away, I think that they would still say, okay, we need to get a, uh, some type of vaccine for something similar, another strain of this in the future, because we can't be having that. Um, my prediction is probably going to be a little bit sooner for a vaccine, actually. Um, 
I would say like January, February of next year, of 2021. The reason being, I think the reason, one of the biggest holdups in getting a vaccine or, or timing is all the studies that they need to go through, uh, which, you know, nor, obviously normal circumstances, it makes sense. Hey, let's go through all these trials. Let's go through trial one, trial two, trial three. Um, and I don't know all the qualifications, but obviously going through all the studies, I think they're going to maybe forgive a little bit of that and say, Hey, like we think, I think we could get this, you know? I mean, if they said, Hey, we think we have a vaccine and you were sitting there on your, on your deathbed and they're like, look, you don't have to take it. It's not approved by the FDA. You probably are going to take it. You know, here's, here's your side effects. And, you know, obviously there's consequences potentially, but what are your other consequences? Right. I think that's going to, that's, that's actually my kind of side prediction is there's going to be changing of, of that type of thing in the FDA side. That's going to say, Hey, you don't need to go test through, three batches of mice and yeah, I don't know exactly the process, but then, then the trial of certain people, then trial one, trial two, just to get it approved. So that's, that's kind of what I see as happening. We'll see. So, so this isn't the great, this isn't the great culling. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, it's like you said, people greater than us know, uh, something right so there's certainly there's certainly information that we don't have that's 100 percent true and i I could be wrong i don't even know if it's been proven uh how this started what market with a bat potentially (laughs) that's a theory that's a theory well, no, I think that's I think that's one of the probable theories. But then, how you know, how did it go from there? And you know, there's multiple directions you can go. Yeah. So fast and far. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Well, all right. Well, that will be. Uh, you know, I think we'll conclude with there and add again as time goes on, and sit here three months from now and see what we look like again. Um, you know, if we were how wrong we actually I should say how wrong we were, and then and then what we're doing. I think that the theme of the podcast would be like how wrong Vance is. <laughs> hey, we can see. But, I mean, it, no vaccine at that point. You're still you're still winning. You're still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like betting the under. It's like betting on the under. <laughs> I think you took the field. I think you took the field. That's what oh, you took. Took the field. I took the field yeah. here. Yeah, there you go. I don't know what the odds are, but you. You took the field. So it's, it's probably 50-50. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, catch you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Unrecruited Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our first episode. You can follow us at Unrecruited Pod on Twitter or Unrecruited Podcast on Instagram. We look forward to providing you with more opinions and more content. We'd love to hear your feedback as well as what you want to hear us talk about.